I read a story of a little kid in his Sunday school class was asked to draw, the class was asked to draw a picture of the Christmas scene. And most of the kids drew pictures of shepherds and wise men and mangers and sheep. And one little boy drew a picture of an airplane with people in it. And the teacher asked him, why are you drawing a Christmas scene with an airplane in it? And he said, well, the Bible says that they had the, that that's the flight of Mary and Joseph to Egypt. And as the story goes, the teacher said, well, who's this? Who are these people in the plane? And he said, well, that's Mary and that's Joseph and that's baby Jesus. And the teacher said, well, who's that in the front of the plane? And he said, Pontius the pilot. <laughs> and I, I tell you that because we are talking about the truth of Christmas this morning. And I want you to open up to John chapter 18. Because I want us to look at Pontius the pilot. It's awesome that Jesus at the end of his earthly life would refer back to the beginning of his earthly life and give us some insight into the reason and the purpose once again for his coming to the earth. And in John chapter 18, what we have is uh, Jesus has now been betrayed. They've already celebrated the Last Supper. Uh, they've celebrated the Passover together. They've all gone out, uh, the disciples, into the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas has already gone off and betrayed him. Uh, Judas is out of the picture now. The disciples have all dispersed. And Jesus is now passing, is, is going through one of the many trials that he went through the night of his betrayal. Uh, he is going to be bouncing back and forth at this time between Pilate and Herod. He has already met before the religious leaders. And now he stands before Pilate, um, the, the governor of the area, of the region, a Roman at that time. And I want you to read with me in verse 33 of chapter 18. It says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did, other tell, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of, of, were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. I'll stop in verse 38. John, uh, John's gospel is probably, in my opinion, better than the other three gospel writers, does something, he takes 
uh, has this awesome way to be able to take uh, the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ and to, to slap them, to, to describe scenarios or stories and describe the, or to recount the telling of Jesus' words in such a way that it takes the humanity and both the divinity of Christ and slaps them right up against one another so that we can clearly see them. Um, John is great about that. One of the one of the ways that one of the ones that sticks out in my mind is when Jesus had uh, had said that the Father has delivered all things unto me, and having delivered all things unto me, Jesus goes over and then grabs uh, a cloth and begins to wash the disciples' feet. And now again happened towards the end of Jesus' earthly life. But what John does in recounting that story is he's reminding the audience that that the Father had given to Jesus all authority and all power and, and Jesus was literally the possessor of all those things. And having all things in his hand, John describes that Jesus went and grabbed a towel and began to wash the feet of his disciples. In that story, he takes both the divinity of Christ in that he possessed all things and had all authority and showed the humility and the humanity of Christ in that he went and served his brothers in such a humble manner. And here John does the exact same thing. John remembers and records these words of Jesus where divinity and humanity are literally slapped right up against one another. I want to show you those words in verse 37. You say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, Jesus said. When John is recording Jesus' words saying, For this cause I was born, he's reminding us the humanity of Jesus. He's reminding us that Jesus literally came born in flesh. That Jesus was born of a virgin, that he experienced life, he, he experienced all the elements of humanhood. And then he records Jesus saying, I have come for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. John records both of those, not just that he was born of a woman in his humanity, but that he chose to step into the earth, chose to step into time, chose to step into this existence, recognizing it by that statement that he always was. The, the virgin birth was the manner in which he came to us. But the virgin birth was never the beginning of Christ. He always has been, always is, and always will be. He, he chose that, that venue for his arrival to us in that particular manner, for that particular function, but he has always been. And John records that, for this cause I was born, speaking of the humanity, and for this reason I have come, speaking of his stepping down into, taking off that robe of glory and putting on a robe of flesh and entering into our world and entering into this system for the purpose of redemption. He speaks both of the humanity and the divinity of Jesus. But I want you to consider what Pilate says in verse 38. After Jesus speaks of truth, Pilate says these words, infamous words from a, an infamous man. What is truth? What is truth? Now, I'm going to end talking a little bit more about Pilate in just a little bit. We don't know 
where his emphasis was. We don't know what his intentions were when he was saying that. All we know are those three words. What is truth? And I want you to think about something because that's a question that not just Pilate was asking, and we know he was asking it, not just Pilate 2,000 years ago, that's a question that a lot of people are trying to get to the bottom of today. And, and to be honest with you, even in Pilate's time, the Romans and the Greeks had spent centuries trying to get to the bottom of that question, what is truth? We believe, I believe, that there is absolute truth. It's not relative to my situation. It's not relative to my, my, my need. It is relative only to the God who ordained truth. It's not something that I want to make it out to be. It's not something that I would wish it to be. The absolute truth is true whether I believe it or not. And there's a world that believes that it's not absolute truth, that there are no absolutes in the world. They believe that all truth is relative. It's what we want it to be. It's what works for us. It's, it's whatever we can plug in and make happen or make things work. And the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that these truths are relative. The Bible teaches that these truths are absolute, not obsolete. When Jesus was saying this, he was speaking of the truth that is that literal foundational core to our life and our being. You want some good words for truth? Sure. Steadfast. Accurate. Clear. Honest. Jesus, by saying, for this cause I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Now think about this. The only way we can have truth, or the only way we can have falsehood, is because of the existence of truth. Though those two exist... Because of truth. Do you all believe there's falsehood out there? Do you believe there's falsehood out there because you believe there is a truth? Jesus said that the enemy was the father of lies. John records that in his gospel. I want you to see where the origination of truth comes from. First, Jesus says there is truth. And the origination, the second point is this, is the truth comes from God. You say rightly that I am a king for this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, he says, hears my voice. I don't typically throw out a lot of scriptures for you, but I want to, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to jot down some really important scripture references because we're dealing with something that is literally the foundational core of our, of our being. Not just as believers, but as humans, as people, created beings. And I want to give you some scripture references just out of John's gospel. Just out of John's gospel. In relationship to God being truth. God the Father. You'll want to write down John 3.33. It tells us that God is truth. And John 17, 17 tells us that God's word is truth. Accurate, sure, steadfast, clear, honest, real. 
in relationship to Jesus. John chapter 1, verses 14 and 17 say that Jesus is full of truth or made up of the truth. John 8, 40, verse 46 says that Jesus speaks the truth. John 14, 6 says He is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. John 3, 21 He says, he who knows Christ knows the truth. And just a few more. In relationship to the Holy Spirit of God. John chapters 14, 15, and 16 refer to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. And Jesus promised in John 16, 13 that the Spirit of truth will lead us in all truth. So, just off of John's Gospel, what we have is Jesus coming to say, this cause, this is why I was born. This is why I have stepped down into the world. And that purpose in this instance is that I may declare the truth. That I may share and reveal to all the world what is real and what is false. What is true and what is wrong. What is right, what is true and honest, and what is dishonest. Jesus is saying, I came to reveal that there is a stark contrast in truth and deception. There is one who from the beginning in the Garden of Eden had gone about lying and deceiving for the purpose of destroying. And Jesus says, I came to be born... I stepped into this world for the purpose of shedding light on the truth. Speaking some of the truthful things that we know Jesus spoke of. Some of the realities that exist is that you and I, our bodies are going to fail. Our body is here. This this fleshy body is not made for eternity. And God has placed within each one of us an eternal soul. And that eternal soul will spend eternity somewhere and we in these days make the determination of where we want that soul to spend eternity. Will it spend eternity in heaven with Christ or hell in a part, apart from Christ for all eternity? Jesus said these are real issues. And there's a re- there are real consequences. And He came to bring us the way. Reminding us that each of us sin. You know what? One thing I like about truth and one thing I like about my brothers and sisters that speak truth to me is I may not always want to hear it, but I know it's good for me. Just because it's true does not always make it comfortable. And you know what? When we come to that point where we realize in our life, when, we, when we're truthful with God, we say, well, you know what, God? I'm a sinner. I am, I, I am a sinner. I am a sinner in that I have done things that I should not have done. And I have not done things that I should have done. And that that sin, one sin would be enough to separate me for all eternity because I would miss God's holy standard. But your son Jesus lived that that which I could not. Lived the perfect life from birth till earthly death. And from that by and, and through his perfection, he made a way for me to have my sins forgiven. He became the atoning sacrifice for my sins. And you know what? When we read God's word, it's not always 
It's not always something that we want to hear. Because the word of God still corrects behavior that is sinful. The word of God still sheds light on that which is darkness. The Bible still corrects erroneous thoughts still today. And it's not always pleasant to hear. But the good thing is that truth is always good for us, especially this foundational truth. I want to show you this third thing real quick is that truth can be attained. There are people that just stumble at that thought. What is truth? Without giving much thought to a pursuit of it. There are some who pursue it and will pursue it everywhere, but where they should. Does anybody else find it interesting that there is a big segment of the population that believes that the Bible is a, is a book of myths, folklore, and legend. And yet those same people that believe that the Bible is a book of folklore, myth, and legend still get weak in the knees thinking about a Mayan calendar. Is that not one bit odd to, to us? That Bible can't be true. But that Mayan calendar sure can. Truth can be attained. Notice what Jesus says in verse 37. He says that I should bear witness to the truth. Notice, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. That's a common phrase throughout John's Gospel. Jesus saying, here's my voice. The voice, word voice is used throughout the Gospel of John. And now Jesus is saying, Whoever, everyone who hears my voice is of the truth. And here's how we can realize, how we can grab a hold of that truth. How we can grab a hold of what is real in a world of falsehood and lies. And Jesus said, it comes from my voice. We have to receive it. How do we receive the voice of Jesus? We read His Word. Jesus is literally saying here, everything that has come out of my mouth is true. It is not misleading. It is clear. It is accurate. It is steadfast. It is real. So he's saying whatever has come out of my mouth, you can believe it. It's, it's going to last. It's going to happen. Here is the one truth teller coming and proclaiming to everyone. Listen to what I'm saying, he says. First, in order to attain the truth, we have to receive it. Listen to the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. But it's not just enough to receive it. We're required to believe it. It's one thing to hear it and to know it. Many of us are there. Many of us have probably been in church for a good portion of our life. Many of us, this is probably not the first time you've ever been to a church service. And for many of us, we've heard the teachings of Christ from the time we were children. You, you probably look like a five-star general with all your Sunday school attendance pins. And we've heard it for many of us. We've, we've received those words in the sense that we've allowed them in our ears and even allowed them into our memory. But it's not simply enough to hear the truth. It's not simply enough to know the truth. What Jesus wants us to do is to move beyond receiving it and start believing it. He says, whoever is of the truth. Do you know what he means by that? He, when he's saying of the truth, he means that their life is set up on those principles. The, their life is built on that foundation of truth. Their actions are, exemplif are exemplified in the truth. They're doing what it says. It's not enough for us simply to hear 
and to understand and to know, but to practice it in our life. That's how we can attain the truth. And friend, let me tell you something. 2,000 years of, of our history, and I know Jesus has never failed. 6,000 years of human history, and God has never once been unfaithful. There's never once been a promise that has not been fulfilled from the Scriptures. God has quite a track record of reminding us of His faithfulness, His love, and the surety of His Word. Notice what Pilate says. What is truth? Now, again, I can't tell you the... I can only tell you the words. I can't tell you the intention. I can't tell you the emotion with which he said it. But there are only a few options. Some have, want, have suggested that maybe he was sneering. As he hears Jesus say, for this cause I was born, for this cause I came into the world, that I may bear witness to the truth. And if you think about what Pilate was seeing, he's seeing a man who claims to be divine and claims to be a king. A man who claims to have a kingdom. And here he says, looking more like a beggar than a king. A man who, who, is, who, who the claim is that he's God's son, and from Pilate's perspective, the religious leaders have even disavowed him. The religious leaders were the one that delivered him up. So Pilate is hearing this man speaking about kingship, speaking about a kingdom, and speaking about truth, and it's quite possible. It's quite possible in verse 38. That Pilate may have looked at this whole scenario and heard Jesus talk about truth. And he may have said, what is truth? Sneering, as if, does it really exist? Does truth really exist? You're telling me that you're a king. You're telling me that you have a kingdom. And I'm looking here at you, and you look like a beggar. The people you came to oversee, he would think, have now turned you in. No doubt there are those who sneer. There are those who consider truth as, is there really truth? Is there really such a thing? Think about his second response. Maybe it wasn't sneering. Maybe he was sighing. Remember I told you that both the Romans and the Greeks had pursued that question, what is truth? And had never really come to any definite answer. So I wonder if Pilate was maybe not sneering, but maybe sighing and saying, what is truth? As if I wish it existed. You know, there are not just those who sneer at the idea of an absolute truth. There are those that also sigh. Those that have never built their life on any strong foundation and have only seen things crumble around them, have only seen the ideologies and philosophies of man fail them. And they look with great despair, sighing, I wish there was something that was true. Maybe not in this room, but there are people in the world that are searching, sighing, desperate for something steadfast, solid, and real. Maybe he was sincere. Let's give, let's give the guy the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he'd been in a plane all day. 
Maybe he wasn't sneering. Maybe he wasn't sighing. Maybe he wanted to really know what is truth. I, have to dis- I would have to say that out of all of the options, that one seems the least likely to me. Because if Pilate was really sincere, why would he say those words as he was leaving the praetorium? Why would he say what is truth as he turns and walks away? Obviously, if he was sincere, he would have waited for a response. Obviously, if he really wanted to know what the truth was, he was the governor. He had all the time he wanted. He wasn't rushed. Jesus says, for this cause, I came to the world. For this reason, I was born. For this reason, I stepped down into the world was to bear witness to the truth. So Jesus has already revealed his desire to share the truth, to communicate it. And for Pilate to say what is truth, no doubt, I have to believe if he was sincere and Jesus' desire is to communicate, those two could have converged. But he didn't. He turned and walked away. Friends, we should never, ever underestimate the hardness of heart of a lost soul. We should never underestimate the stumbling block of power, prestige, and position. We should never underestimate the blindness of a lost soul's eyes. Because here stood one man in history, in history, who had some of the greatest access to Jesus. Investigating him, interrogating him, hearing testimony about him, still coming out and saying, I find no fault in him, saw him only as a good man and failed to see him as the divine Savior of the world, the only begotten Son of God. I would love, I would love to read over the gospel story. And I would love to be able to end this message and say that Pilate, after spending that time with him in that room, experiencing his humility, understanding a glimpse of his divinity, I would love to tell you that Pilate's eyes were open. I would love to tell you that he was able to cut through any prejudices he had. He was able to humble himself from any position he had. I would love to tell you that, that Pilate at that moment bent a knee and worshipped Jesus. As Savior. But history does not record that. There he was face to face with the truth. Hearing it. Receiving it in the ear. But never believing it and living it in the heart. And friends you and I can be in the same position. It's not for me this morning to go through and to declare every one of the truths of God's word. What it is for me is to declare to you that God's word is true. And hopefully the Spirit of God will work in your heart in such a way that you'll search the Scriptures. That you may say to God, God, I need what is real. I'm tired of playing around with those things that are fake. I'm tired of building my life on a sand made of grains of ideology and philosophy that changed throughout the centuries. God, I want something that is steadfast. 
I want something, Lord, that may not be pleasant to hear initially, but in the long run is eternally good for me. Is it enough for us to receive it as God's people? Let us not just rest with having it in our ears. Let us only rest when it is in our heart and exercised, manifested through our life. Where do you stand in relationship to truth? Is your life right now founded on the solid rock of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior? Maybe you're in your life and you know. Maybe you know that you are a Christian, but you know your life is off track. Maybe you've bought into some of the lies and deceptions of the enemy. And today you say, Lord, I, I need I need to get back on track with you. Lord, help me to to do away with these lies and to cling to what I know is right and true. Maybe there's behavior in our lives that God is telling us and has been communicating to us that that is not his will for us. It will only bring heartache, despair and emptiness. Maybe today we say in the pit of our hearts, say, God, forgive me for those sins. Forgive me for that lifestyle. Forgive me for that action. Forgive me for buying into the lies of the enemy in the world. And help me, help me live my life based off of the truth. As you and I celebrate this time of year and we see the mangers and we see that child laying in those mangers, let's remember that for this reason, For this cause he was born, that he may bear witness to the truth and let us go be truth tellers, sharing the words of Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you. For your love, I thank you for your honesty. Lord, we know that there is a world system that is set up on deception and lies. We know that we have an enemy who is bent on stealing, killing, and destroying. But you, God, are the good shepherd. You came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. Father, you have come to give us truth, an absolute truth that we can build our life on. And Lord, let us as your people be guided by that truth. Let us receive your words and believe your words. And Father, if there are any this morning that are on the wrong side of the truth, you promised that your spirit would guide us into all truth. And I trust that it'll do that, that he'll do that this morning. We pray, Lord, for you to work in hearts through salvation this morning, rededication, church membership, baptism. Maybe someone just needs to lay something down at the altar. Pray that you are glorified and honored through all that is done in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen.